If you're not sick in your body, please understand this. One day you may be dealing with a terminal disease maybe. Uh, or you may fall very sick and doctors have no hope. They don't give you hope. And you have to suffer through the pain. But you need to lock into God's word so that you know to be free on the day of, of adversity. And if you're sick in the body this morning or no matter how long it's been, get ready to get well. Uh, as, you can, as you see from the scriptures that I will be sharing this morning, uh, you will realize based on God's word that sickness is not for us. And God will free you from that in Jesus' name. I don't do this normally, but I want you to stand up with me as, as we pray. I want you to stand up with me as we pray. Father, I just ask that this morning you'll give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Lord, that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened so that we can receive all that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. However, please be seated. Before I go into my message, I really need to honor this man of God. Uh, he's so important to me. Where is Roy Harris? Please come up here. Come up here. Very few times you have people come into the congregation. This is a true man of God. And I uh, really appreciate this man. Many times I come in here, uh, and Roy's already put out this, uh, um, what do you call it, the cones out there, the signs to help us out, the signs out there to direct people. Every Wednesday night, every Sunday service, this man is here, before I get here. And uh, I believe the Lord will honor you. He's a great man. That's what you know. When people really know God, it shows. It shows. You need just to listen to him teach. He's a true man of God. And I uh, really appreciate God sending you to us. I believe you have a great future. Something good is, is, is on the way for you. And you will continue to be a great man of God in your own right as God gives grace. This is just a check from us. Is your wife here today? Yes. Uh, you guys can go to a restaurant and have some fun, okay? But remember to invite pastor, okay? Bless. Bless. <laughs> yeah, I truly appreciate uh, him. Uh, he speaks with a lot of conviction, so I know he believes what he's saying. Amen? Father, thank you. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26. I'm speaking on the communion meal. I read, it says, For I received, this is Paul speaking, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Paul is delivering to the Christians, the believers in his time, what Jesus delivered to him. Now, I need you to understand what's going on here. Paul was not with them when they had communion. He wasn't with the twelve when they had communion. And he wasn't taught this thing. Jesus, Paul tells us, these things I'm teaching to you, I got by revelation. So I'm delivering to you what Jesus himself delivered to me. So this thing about communion, this was something that Jesus, after he went up to heaven, came back to Paul, his apostle, to the Gentiles, to teach Paul about this and to deliver this thing to believers because it's important. If it's not important in our Christian living, why will God give this revelation to his servant to deliver to us? And Paul said, what he delivered to me, what he gave to me, I am now delivering it to you because there is good in this. You need it. I'm delivering this to you just as he gave it to me. And he started to tell us what was delivered to him. He said, on that night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. Now, notice Jesus took bread from the meal they were having. It wasn't any different kind of bread. It was the same bread they had been eating. He took that bread that they had been eating. And he said, he, the Bible says he broke that bread. And then he gave thanks, and he gave the bread to them. And then he said to them, what you are about to eat, you've been eating bread. But what I'm giving you now, this is my body. Nobody asked any question, what do you mean? That's bread. What are you talking about? No, he told them, this is my body, which is broken for you. For you. This body was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he says, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper. Saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. What you have right in your hand is the new covenant in my blood. You are about to enter a blood covenant with me. Right now, as you hold that cup in your hand, you are about to enter into a blood covenant with me. This is the blood of the new covenant that you have in this cup. Read it. Let's read it again. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it. As often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you drink it. How often should we drink this? Because every time you do it, you do it in remembrance of him. For Then he tells you why. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim 
the Lord's death till he comes. Every time you drink that cup, you are proclaiming. Every time you drink, you eat that bread, you are proclaiming. You are proclaiming his death. You are proclaiming his blood, that his body that was broken for you. So that your body can never be broken. You are proclaiming to the world, to the devils, to angels. Every time you come to the communion table, you are proclaiming his blood that you are a covenant person. And no one should mess with you. That's what you're saying. When you drink, you're not just drinking just wine. You are proclaiming to the universe and every being in the universe, they respect the covenant of the Lord God. And you are saying, I'm a covenant person. I have this new covenant in Jesus Christ. I cannot be touched and you cannot touch my body because his body was broken so that my body cannot be broken. You proclaim it. How often should we do this? Christians don't understand. Again, a lot of understanding this week studying. It's an amazing thing. If you read in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and then verse 46, he says daily, after Jesus left, the, the disciples understood this. He says daily, from house to house, they were breaking bread and taking communion. Daily. That's why in the New Testament, the beginning church, you never hear anything of sickness. The unbelievers were coming to the church to get healed. Forget the doctors. We need Peter's shadow to get us healed. They didn't need anything like sickness among them. There was nothing like sickness among them. You know how important this is? Paul said, I'm delivering this to you. It's so important. You need to do it right so you can stay healthy. And so if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 29 and verse 30, he says, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, he's not saying because you're a sinner, so if you drink, that's unworthy. If you take it lightly, you don't understand what you're doing. You, you, don't take, you have no much respect to what, on what you're doing. You, you don't fully understand understand he's taking it as if it's no big deal i'm drinking cup i'm drinking some wine and i'm drinking bread that's all you think if you drink in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself so that tells me this communion thing is not it's not ordinary it may seem ordinary to you but spiritually there is a great thing going on in the spirit realm with your own life and with God, and if you eat it without the understanding, just as if it's all ordinary bread, that's what we're eating, then you drink condemnation, judgment into your life. Now let's read further. Not discerning the Lord's body, you're not fully understanding. You're taking bread, but he says it's the Lord's body. Huh? It's the Lord's body. You're not discerning the Lord's body. And so he tells us, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you. And many sleep, that many of you are dying because of your attitude towards the communion table. To because of your attitude towards the communion meal. That says to us that Jesus has delivered to Paul something that could keep you strong for the rest of your life. 
as often as you drink it. You're proclaiming, my body cannot be broken. Sickness cannot come into my body. You're proclaiming his death. His death means your life, right? What cannot enter into Jesus' body has no right to enter into your body. You're proclaiming his life. Notice he didn't say to proclaim, when you do this, you proclaim my resurrection. But when you get saved, he says you must believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, right? But for children of God, when you are a child of God, what you need to proclaim is his death. And how do you do that? The communion. As you do that, you are proclaiming, saying to the world, I belong to Christ. I'm a new covenant person and I cannot be messed with. See, many times we come to church and we just, just, we're doing our Christian things. You don't want to go into the deep. Deep cause to deep. You're going to hear a good message and that's it. You're not thinking of your life in the future, how strong you can be. He says, for this reason, many are weak. Many are sick. That means if you're doing the communion your table right, okay, you won't be sick. You won't be weak. Not my words. Check the scriptures. It's a mystery. This is a mystery that you can go into. You know, I uh, this morning or yesterday as I was preparing this message, I, I, because I spoke on this maybe a year or two years ago, <clears throat> and... Um, and I felt like the Lord reminded me, because every time we come in here, 6 o'clock in the morning, and Pastor Andy can attest to this, where's Michael West? Michael West will always go back there. And he'll take his communion every day. And so I said, the Lord reminded me this morning, he said, talk to Michael. I don't think he understands what's going on in his life. You know he's very faithful taking that. I said, yeah, I'll talk to him. And I forgot, I met Michael earlier. But I forgot. I went in my office just to come, and the Lord reminds me, reminded me again, talk to him. So I asked Michael, how's your life been? <laughs> I don't, he doesn't get sick. Right, Michael? The symptoms? Yeah. Michael is more faithful doing this. I, I learned my lesson this week. Amen. Bible says, as often as you drink it, you proclaim. You remember we talked about the words of your mouth, Right? This is another way of proclamation. I cannot be messed with. Satan, you can't mess with me. Cancer, you can't mess with me. You don't even know how to get into this body. You get in and say, he's too hot in here. This is Jesus' body. What? I'm out. Amen. I'm out of here. That's what this means. That's what it means. They don't get sick. Covenant people don't get sick. Amen. Covenant people are no sickly. If you're talking sickness, sickness constantly, something is wrong in your believing. If you believe wrongly, you will pay the price. That's why they stayed with the apostle doctrine. The apostle's doctrine. It's so important. Covenant people are not supposed to be sick. Now, when God created Adam and Eve, <coughs> notice, I'm, my voice. I'm too excited this morning. 
Notice, God gave them in the garden what to eat. The shrubs and the herbs, he said they are for food. God made no provision for healing. Because they were not supposed to be sick. There was no provision for for that. Now, for covenant people, God is determined sickness is not a part of those who are part of his covenant. Even if you're not healed this morning, they, they determine I will receive my healing. Amen? Stand firm with God's word. You know, in Exodus chapter 23, verse 25, God said, so covenant people, he said, so you covenant people, you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and your water. He will take sickness away from the midst of you. He will take sickness away from the midst of you. As long as covenant people are serving God, sickness have no place. That's just the truth. It has no place. Be it unto you according to your faith. May God give you that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Sickness is not a part of our inheritance. Jesus paid the price for it. And so every time you go to the communion table, you are proclaiming, He paid the price by His stripes. I was healed and I cannot be sick. No devil can put it on me. Amen. That's what you're proclaiming. With the words of your mouth, you're justified. With the words of your mouth, you're condemned. But when you proclaim with the blood of Jesus, there is no force in this world, this universe, that will stand. Covenant people are not supposed to be sick. If sickness comes upon you as a child of God, guess who is doing it? It's the devil. It's called oppression. It's called oppression. Do we get sick? Yes. We do, but it's coming because of an oppression from the devil. That's why the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 10 verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing how many? All who were oppressed by the devil. Everyone Jesus healed was satanic oppression. Jesus healed a woman who was bent over 18 years. And they said, you did it in the Sabbath day. And Jesus said, shouldn't this daughter of Abraham, covenant woman, right? Be loosed from her sickness in the Sabbath. Who had been oppressed, lo, this 18 years by the devil. He loosed her. And you know, T.D. Jake's sermon. Woman, thou art loosed. From what? Was it a demon? Yeah, yeah. But she had some coverture of the spine. And it was a devil that was responsible for it. And coming against the covenant person, Jesus said, No! Today, you won't walk that way anymore. May that be your lot today in Jesus' name. That sickness has to leave your body today. As you're hearing my words today, the Spirit of God and the Word of God will deliver you from that sickness this morning in Jesus' name. You know, Jesus was saying in his disciples, I'm saying this to you, if you're a child of God, 
get this understanding. It's not like Satan won't attack you. But don't make a big deal out of it. You know who you are. Amen? Don't make a big deal out of it. You know God's going to heal you. You know, when Jesus sent his disciples, Matthew chapter 10, he said, go and preach the gospel, right? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. He said, you've received freely, give freely. But then he told them, I don't want you to go among the Gentiles. You remember that? They are not covenant people. Hmm. Don't go among them. You used to bother people when you come into Christianity and say, well, what about the rest of us? But at that point, they are not covenant people. You are now through his blood. But when he came, he said, don't go among them. Don't even go among the Samaritans in this matter. Go only among the covenant people. Amen? Now, you can read in Matthew chapter 15, verse 24. It says, but he answered and said, "This." you remember the Canaanite woman that wanted healing? And Jesus was saying, no, you're not supposed to get that. But every unbeliever can receive if they apply the same principle that covenant people have in them called faith. Amen? If they have faith in God, they can receive it. But Jesus said to that woman, I was sent, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, to covenant people. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread. You see, healing is your bread. Why is it, why is it so hard for you to to eat bread. What's your problem? Healing is your bread. If you are a covenant person, just eat bread. Jesus said it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. Now we know that this woman got what she wanted for, but she applied the principle of faith which every covenant person has, right? When they apply it, they can get it. But it wasn't really for them. When they apply it, it means they really believe God. So you apply that same principle. You are already part of it, right? By his stripes, you were healed, right? They receive it. It's bread. Covenant people in the mind of God were not supposed to be sick. When the children of Israel took, uh, they ate their communion. You remember the Passover? And God applied the blood. Huh? <laughs> when they came out, I believe Psalm 105 verse 37 tells us there was not one weak person among all of their tribes. That's about three million people. Don't tell me when they were eating the, uh, the meat on the day they left. You know, that's the same thing as the flesh of Jesus. God said, he said, go ahead, kill that animal, let it be without spots or wrinkle. Apply the blood on your tabernacle, your house, right? That's what you do when you take the communion, you apply the blood, right? He said, apply the blood and then eat the flesh and do it right in there. Don't tell me among three, people, uh, three million people, there were not those that were sick among them, weak from working, stressed out because of the Egyptians that made them work daily and then give them good food and all of that stuff. Don't tell me they were not sick. But when God brought them out, after he applied the blood, the Bible tells us there was not one sick 
person, not one weak person among all the tribes. And we're dealing with blood, the, the flesh of goats. And the blood of goats. And now we're dealing today with the blood of Jesus. What's wrong with us? Why can't we just believe? The blood is usually God's choice weapon for finality. I'll explain what that means. You remember how Moses went into the, went to Pharaoh and he was saying, let my people go and Pharaoh wouldn't listen. He performed nine great miracles. He still wouldn't listen. But when he applied the blood, the final one, Pharaoh said, I've had enough. This is too much. You can go. You can go. Usually, God takes this weapon. It's God's choicest weapon against the enemy. Once it's applied, the devil will give in. He has to let you go. Once this is applied, he let you go. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 11 tells us this. As for you also, because of the blood of the covenant, because of the blood of the covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Just because of the blood of the covenant. That's why the Bible tells us in Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him. How? They were proclaiming the blood. Amen? They were proclaiming the blood and the word of their testimony. That's how they got free. You see, in heaven, they whipped him with the blood. Right? They whipped him with the blood in heaven as they proclaimed the blood and they testified, you are defeated. He was thrown down and he let go. Amen. Because the blood represents the life of the person. Leviticus 17, 11, The life of the flesh is in the blood. So every time you speak of the blood of Jesus, every time you proclaim the blood of Jesus, what you are calling into manifestation is the very life of Jesus. And what can stand against him? Nothing. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. The, the, the Egypt, the Pharaoh couldn't handle it. In heaven, Satan couldn't handle it. He was cast down. I like to read this scripture. It's so important. First John chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. In heaven, the Father, the Word, that's the Son, that's the Trinity back there. If you connect with any of those, you're okay. Amen? There are three that bear witness in heaven. And then it tells us in verse 8, And there are three that bear witness on the earth. The spirit, the water, and what? The blood. The blood bears witness. The blood speaks. The Bible says the blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. 
The blood on the earth bears witness. When you stand with the blood of Jesus and you plead the blood of Jesus, he speaks and he begins to say, the body was broken for him. You can't keep his body broken. Sickness, you can't stay there by his stripes. We were healed. The blood speaks. He bears witness on the earth. If you are on the earth, what you need is the blood. Can I hear an amen? You speak the blood. The Bible says the blood speaks better things than the blood of Abel. And what is he going to speak? As he bears witness, as you proclaim in your mouth, with your mouth, that Satan cannot have dominion over you. The blood says, I agree. That's the truth. And guess what the blood is? That's the word of God. The blood of the Son of God. And the Bible tells us, I believe, Acts chapter 20, that the blood is actually the blood of God. It's God's life. What can stand against God's life? When you take that blood into you, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And remember this. Jesus told those individuals, he said to them, uh, they needed wine. Do you remember the story? They needed wine. And he said, now nah, fetch some water, right? It was water, right? And they poured water in. And then he said, take from the water and I go give it to them. And the guys are thinking, so this water. They're going to kill us. Well, you want us to take water to these guys? They need wine, so not water. Jesus said, go ahead, take the wine, the water to them. And they're carrying that thing and say, oh, gosh, we don't, I don't know why I'm doing this. The guy wants wine, but I'm taking water. But by the time they, he got to the, the, his destination, guess what? It's it, it, wine. When Jesus sells you, yes, you got bread, right? And you got cup. It's just wine, you know, in your hand. But when Jesus tells you, take, this is my blood, when it reaches the innermost part of your being, guess what happens? The life of God. To destroy everything that is unlike God in your life. That's why the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He flows out of you. I am the vine. And you are the branches. There is a sap, the blood that's flowing from the vine into your body. It's a life-giving, sickness-destroying, sin-killing life flowing through you. Amen. Why don't we believe the word? My people perish for lack of knowledge. Now that you know, would you act on it? And see what God can do? You need a miracle? God can give you one. When? I said today. Right in this service. Your life can begin to change. Instead of being sickly, you are well. Year after year. Not fearful. Because God is with you. I'd like to read this scripture before I close. In John chapter 6, verse 51 through 57, it says, Your father, Jesus speaking to the Jews, your father ate the, ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, 
that one may eat and not die. I, that's Jesus, I am the living bread. Not just bread. I am the living bread. That means when you take the communion, that's the living bread. You live and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone, say with me anyone, and that means you. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread, Jesus was clear, that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The people didn't like it. So they started saying in verse 52, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? That's what you think. That doesn't make any sense. His pastor saying we should eat the flesh of Jesus. What is this? If you were there, that's probably what you say. Man, it's crazy. He wants us to eat his body. We're not going to eat his body. We're not eating anybody. Is that not what we think? And some of us will say, I think this preacher didn't sleep well last night. He's telling us to eat his flesh. But he understood. You think because they objected, and Jesus knew they were objecting, he was going to back away from it. And say, well, let me explain it to you. I'm only speaking in terms of spiritual things. He didn't do that. See what he did. He says, then Jesus said to them after they complained, most assuredly, he said, let me assure you. I'm telling you the truth. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And that's Jesus, the Son of God, saying this. Unless you are willing to do this, you will have no life in you. Verse 54. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has the Zoe life, the eternal life, the life of God. When you eat his flesh and you drink his blood, you now have the life of God. And the life of God will swallow up the natural life in you. Whoever, say with me, whoever, that means you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and i will raise him up in the last day for my flesh is what food indeed and my blood is drink indeed he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and i in him as the living father sent me and i live because of the father so he who feeds on me Though he who feeds on me will live because of me. As he lived by his father, so when you feast on him, you live by him. That means his life becomes your life. What cannot enter into Jesus' body cannot enter into your body. I often, when I look at all of this, I tell myself, and I speak to my body, you don't know how to receive cancer. That's not part of me. Amen? I won't have cancer. 
I'm saying I'm making my confession this morning. Amen. You can look at me. I'm making my confession based on his word. When I take that communion, cancer doesn't know how to get in here. How do you know? Through the word. God will not allow his words to fall to the ground. It won't happen. And I'm asking you to believe with me. Amen. Believe with me. Yes, I can have symptoms, but I have no fear. Because God has promised me long life. He says my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. What has cancer got to do inside the temple of the Holy Spirit? That's an oppression. This is a holy place, right? God said your body is holy. And then cancer will come in and destroy that place and make it Stinky for the Holy Ghost to live in. That's right. Before God, what are you talking about? Does God still have power to prevent it? Only what we allow. Only what we allow. Maybe for some of us, this is way too much for you. But God is saying, grow up. This thing is real. He paid the price for us. The blood was shed for our redemption. Stand up and believe God. As you take the communion, you are proclaiming to the world, I cannot be sick. You can oppress me for a few days, but I'm coming out of it. And you really can kill me because God has promised me long life. Long life. Do you know what? Smith Wigglesworth, how many of you have heard about him? I read this week, he took communion every single day after he got saved. Every single day, Smith Wigglesworth took communion. Every single day. And I'm reading of other ministers of God that God has usually used mightily. They do this every day. That's when I told myself, Michael is smarter than I am. Because uh, I'm going to be attacking that communion, <laughs> staying back there. That's medicine. Amen. Say amen with me. That's medicine. He's better than the capsule that they can give to you. He's better than the hospital when you come to the Lord Jesus. He's better than any medicine that can be given to you. That's your medicine. Some of us, we are willing to do whatever the doctors tell us, tell us to do. We listen to them, and I'm not telling you not to listen to them. But they'll tell you, take this pill two times a day or three times a day. Take it one in the morning after food. And you do exactly that. A week you're still taking, taking it. You don't feel anything change. But you're still doing it because the doctor told you to. And yet, God is saying, as often as you do this, you proclaim. And you do it only one Sunday in a month. That's your proclamation, right? Notice I said something. Hmm? He took it from the bread that they were eating, right? I said, this is it. This is my body. When you eat, every day if you can, do this time. Amen? I got the privilege. I can come in here. We got some communion stuff there. I'll be doing it now. As, as long as the Lord reminds me, I'm going for it. That's why Swigglesworth, we were told, he never, he even raised his wife from the dead. And the day he died, he was just, 
this happened with some young man who had been in his meeting, was sitting down, and they laughed about what God had done, put his head down. He was in the meeting, and there was it. He was gone to be with the Lord. No sickness. A.W. Kenyon knows so much. I encourage everyone, buy that man's books and read. There's great revelation there. A.W. Kenyon said, no wonder, is there any wonder that there are no sick people in our church? And he wrote the book about the blood. Amen? No sick people. I need those that are helping with communion, please come this morning. Please, let's take the things of God seriously and believe them because you can be healed. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, that doesn't mean you can't join us. Please join us. But where you're sitting, tell God to forgive you your sins. And tell him you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you want to be a part of his kingdom. And then partake with faith this morning. Now, I do believe that this morning as you receive the communion, believe in your heart that the word of God and the blood of the Lord is now walking and destroying that thing that's been plaguing your life. Who knows when? God can give you a new pancreas. Amen? Stand up, ushers, please help us.